Hope Community Church, how's it going? Uh, we are glad you are with us today. Um, just been going through the book of Colossians uh, throughout the week. Uh, we've made it into chapter two, and we're going to kind of dig some more into it today. Um, but I just want to encourage you and let you know how proud I am of you. Um, I hear stories from uh, all points in our church of you guys uh, sharing your hearts with folks. You're reaching out to your neighbors. You're, you're touching their lives. Uh, you are helping your family. Uh, you're, you're staying connected uh, through Facebook with those of your family that's not with you, with your friends. And I just keep seeing encouragement flow from you. And uh, I, I know there's, there's a lot of talk about um, you know, not being able to be together and all that. But man, I, I hope you're noticing and seeing that there is so much more happening right now in this moment of us actually being hope community of us actually being ones who carry hope, of ones who are uh, being defined as uh, the hopeful. Man, we're doing that and we're seeing that and, and we're seeing that take place in, in other uh, churches and other faith communities. It's happening. It's happening at an unprecedented rate. And um, just because we're not able to get together physically, you know, we've been saying this from the beginning, we're still together spiritually. Uh, in a lot of ways, we've connected more in the last two weeks than we have when we've gotten together on Sundays. And I'm seeing that testimony from so many other pastors and so many other uh, churches where uh, their community has actually grown stronger in this because there's more communication happening. There's more one-on-one, -on -one. even though we're not right in front of each other, we're together uh, through this medium. And so I just want to keep encouraging you. Um, I know it keeps looking like this thing is going on longer and it's longer than some of us wanted to happen. And, uh, but, uh, part of being the church is being, um, champions of life. Um, we're called to be pro-life in every aspect, not just, uh, in the womb, uh, but all the way through. And um, so part of us doing what we're doing right now, um, being in whatever you want to call it, quarantine, lockdown, separation, whatever you want to call it, um, it's actually being very pro-life. Um, we are um, helping and saving lives by, by, by practicing social distancing, by doing things like this. And um, the ability to reach out and touch people's lives is greater than ever before through mediums like this, through being out on your street and standing six feet apart from one another and being able to talk and share. Um, when you do go to the grocery store, asking your neighbor, hey, is there anything I can pick up for you? Because, you know, maybe you can't get out today. I can go get something for you today. And, you know, practicing those principles and, and being safe and going doing it and coming back. I mean, um, if all of us did that, think of the impact that would happen. And um, that impact is actually happening. Uh, if you open your eyes and see it, um, I was reminded today of the book of Genesis, um, where it talks about um, the spirit of God hovering over the chaos. And I can't remember what the word chaos means there, um, but it doesn't automatically mean the destructive nature that we 
automatically think chaos is. And that in this moment, you see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're hovering there over the chaos. And their reaction to the chaos is not one of fear, but they interject love and create the entire universe. In John 9, you see another instance where there is a, a man who is blind and it's a chaotic situation. Think about it. For that man, he can't see. And so he's, it's, it, his world is chaotic. He had to learn things differently. And the disciples automatically hone in on the chaos and they, instead of seeing a creative way to bring goodness and love and a miracle to the chaos, they automatically jump to the negative side of chaos. So instead of creating, they're destroying. And they point out the sin. Or they say, you know, what sin is this? What destructive nature? What? And Jesus shows up and says, you're looking at it the wrong way. What creative way? What good way? What awesome way? Can we see things shift here from this chaotic moment? And so that's what we're presented with right now. It's... It, it's, and I really wish I could remember what the, the Hebrew word for chaos is. It's a cool word. Um, but how you see chaos, how you see, you can see it in creativity or you can see it in destruction. And the church right now is being put into a position to creatively come up with amazing opportunities to bring his father's goodness like never before. Um, so just, just, you know, we're in this, we're in this for however long it's going to play out and uh we can either see the destructive side of it or we can see the creative side of it and how we can bring help and hope and goodness in all of this because there's folks right now that's close to you that are hurting there's folks right now that are connected in one way or the other with someone who is dealing with this virus that's going around and are we adding destruction to that? Or are we adding creative hope to that uh, to see goodness come out? Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on there. We'll get into our book in Colossians. I just wanted to encourage you because I see us like never before moving um, in, in Father's goodness in people's lives more than what we were two or three months ago. Um, I see it happening. And so I want to encourage you to keep doing that. See the good right now in this moment and continue to do it. Uh, but let's look at a couple scriptures in Colossians. Uh, we're, we're once again digging in the mirror translation. And uh, if you want a copy of that, um, you can go back through the, the past videos and find the links for it to where you can get either a solid copy or you can download the app and you can read along with us or just listen to me read it and, and we can talk about it, all right? Uh, but we're in chapter two, starting with verse 15. It says, his brilliant victory made a public spectacle of every rule and authority empowered by the fall of Adam. The voice of the cross will never, never be silenced. Do not let anyone, therefore, bring a restriction to your freedom by reviving religious rules and regulations pertaining to eating and drinking, all the festivals, the new moons, the Sabbaths, all of that have come to an end in Christ. These things were only prophetic shadows. Christ is the substance. You know, when we looked at this um, last week, we were in the last, uh, the last couple verses there, 13 and 14, uh, on Saturday. And uh, Paul's talking about 
Christ nailed to the cross, uh, how that is a, a public document to the entire universe that everything that um, separated you that, you, that you used to separate yourself from the Father, um, uh, your false identity, uh, who you thought you were and who you think the Father is, all of that uh, was defeated at the cross, and it is now a public document saying, um, this is taken care of. And so in verse 15 and 16, Paul's continuing with that thought, and he's saying, listen, he made, he took everything that would puff itself up and brag and say that, that you're not good enough, that the Father doesn't love you, uh, that he's a God of wrath. He took all of that and made it a public spectacle. He made fun of it in front of everybody and said, that's no, that's not how this works. The Father actually loves. The Father actually cares. The Father actually sees you valuable. And everything up to this moment that's caused in mankind, this murderous aspect Jesus is going to step in and he's the one that's going to receive that wrath and take it on. Mankind's wrath on the cross, he's going to take it. He's the one that's going to stand in our place. He's the one that's going to be there. And that voice of freedom will never be silenced. The, the horror of the cross is now the element of God's trophy of triumph. What was so horrifying in that moment has now become the trophy of love for all mankind. It strips all of religion of its authority, of its manipulation through guilt, of its fear. It strips all of it because religion is just a facade. It's, it's just the disguised law of works as a means of defining a person's life. All of that has been openly defeated at the cross, and now we are free. We are free to be who we were intended to be. And so that's why Paul is like, don't let anybody try to bring you back to this place where you don't know who you are, where you don't know who the Father is. Don't let anybody bring you back to that. Because performance-based religion is broken. It's never been one to bring healing. It's always been broken. So be set free from that. Verse 18 says this. This is a religious mentality of voluntary humility and obsession with pious observance of angels will bring you no further reward. So do not let anyone who tries to act as an umpire of your devotion insist on his own opinion confined to a mind inflated by the sensational and spooky. Um, his so-called visions are just a puff of hot air. You know, uh, earlier on in Colossians, uh, Paul's talking and he, he says, listen, um, anything that tries to come in and tell you uh, that you're not valuable, anything that tries to come in and tell you that God's not good is false. It's actually anti-Christ. <laughs> Anything that tries to say that God is a God of wrath, that God is a God of, of, of hate, that God doesn't love everybody, that, that, that he's, he's looking for a scapegoat, all of that is nonsense, Paul says in Colossians. And he says it here again. He says anybody that tries to declare that or prophesy that is just puffing out hot air. 
Verse 19 says, Such religious jargon is completely out of rhythm with the head. You are directly connected to Christ. You are like a choir, uh, who like a choir, choir conductor draws out the music and everyone like a tapestry of art that intertwines in harmony to reveal the full stature of the divine inspiration. If it is true that you were included in Christ's death, then the religious systems of this world with its rules and regulations no longer apply to you. What further relevance would there be for you to continue to live under the influence of mankind's doctrines and ideas? You are no longer bound by that. Any system, any thought process that puts you as less than or puts you in a position to, to not be uh, uh, created in the Father's image. I mean, think about it. That's where racism comes from. That's where uh, different levels of of status come from it's all garbage and it all has its roots in religion and Paul's saying listen that no longer applies to you it's no longer a part of your life it's no longer who you are you don't have to live under that system anymore you are free in Christ it's so good verse 21 just just smashes racism Things like do not associate with this one, do not taste that, do not even touch this with your finger. All of that is gone. It no longer applies to you. You are, you, you are free. These instructions are of no permanent value in any case since they refer to things that perish after it is consumed. Thus they, live, thus they leave no lasting impact in your life. So do not let man-made menus cause you to major on minors, that's so good. We major on so many minors in the church. Oh, that's so good, Dwayne. Systems that try to make you less than are garbage. It's so good. Because systems that try to make you less than make you feel like garbage. And that's what not, the Father is not about making you feel like garbage. Verse 23, religious, religious traditions appears to be very devout. And its followers seem to be so humble and holy in their strict observance of the rules that seek to control the behavior of the body. The only problem with this is that the flesh is never permanently satisfied. That's so good. The flesh is never permanently satisfied. Think about it. It wasn't satisfied before you had an encounter, before you found out who the Father was, and before you found out who you really were. You were constantly doing things to feed that. And so when you go right back to trying to control yourself through traditions and through all this, uh, this and that, it still makes you feel less than and it never satisfies because you're trying to find your satisfaction in rituals and rules and regulations and not in the Father. Because in the Father, there is true satisfaction. It's, it's so good. Man, Colossians is so good. Especially for right now. Because when we know who we really are, we can begin, we can begin to relate with others and the Father's love. Because when we know we are loved by the Father and we know the Father's love and we begin to operate and react and flow through all of that, we begin to see, oh, my neighbor is not just my neighbor. My neighbor is created in the image of God. He's valuable. He's loved. And so the same love that the Father showed me, 
to where I could love myself and love my family and, and be real with them. Now I can be real with my neighbor and love them no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they look like, no matter uh, how they act and what they say, they are still created in the image of Father and they are worthy of love just like you are worthy of love. And so out of that relationship with the Father, that love begins to overflow through you. And if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your identity, you're not going to understand that. Because you're still going to live bound by rules, bound by regulations. What's up, Ronnie Stewart? Bound up. Man, so good to, so good to see you on here, dude. Awesome. Um, sorry, we had a moment. <laughs> but when you know who you really are, you're able to know, <laughs> you're able to know uh, that your, your, your neighbors, your family, your loved ones are just as loved. And that happens through agape. It happens through the God kind of love. That's how this works. So I just want to encourage you, man, keep digging in the book of Colossians with us. Uh, uh, finding, find out who you are. Once again, um, going back to chapter 1, uh, Verse 10, where he's where uh, Paul's talking, he says, Go on a walkabout tour to explore the extent of the land that is yours under his lordship. Man, continue to do that in this time where we're, um, you know, we're having to, to, to have some more alone time and with our family. Uh, go on some walkabouts with the Father. Spend some time to, with him and find who you are in him. And I'm telling you, the, you'll see the opportunities, like I was talking about in the beginning, you'll see the opportunities to create in chaos instead of continuing destruction in chaos. You will see the opportunities for God's goodness, the Father's goodness to be released. And you, man, you, you will be living in the Father's goodness and you'll be giving God Father's goodness. So thank you guys for tuning in. It's so good. If you have, once again, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, leave them on here. If you have any prayer requests, post them here in the thread or post them in our Hope Community community page and, um, and we'll get to those. If you have any needs or anything like that, please let us know so we can find a way to help. Uh, and if, like I said before, if we can't help, we will find folks that we're connected with that can help. It's all good. Love you guys. Be encouraged today. Keep being the Father's goodness. Thank you.